0: Screw it. Screw it. We're just just going to talk about about Spider-Man. The original 41 issues of Spider-Man as written by Stan Lee and as drawn by Steve Ditko. I'm one of those two brothers and my name is Kevin Hines. I am the other brother. My name is Will Hines. And um, we probably sound alike and that's probably confusing. Yeah, you know, we're a little similar, and we also talk over each other and say similar things. Yeah, we have very similar opinions, and we agree on most things, and it's just a formula for a for a hit show. There's a good chance there's only one brother doing this podcast and just slightly changing his voice. Like a very low-stakes version of Fight Club. One man thinks he's two people who are a lot alike uh, and don't do anything dangerous. Normally when we record this, I'm coming to you from New York. And I would be in Los Angeles, but this is a special episode. We're both in Connecticut. Yeah, it's Christmas. So we're at our dad's house in Wilton, Connecticut. So um, we're even, we feel even more brotherly. Yeah. We're also sort of like a, you know, muscle memory back in childhood mode, which is back when we originally read these issues. So we're very emotionally close to the material here. I'll say this one. Uh, when I reread it, there and were, this is amazing Spider-Man number seven, we should say, that's right. where Spider-Man faces the vulture for a second time. That's right. Uh, there were parts of this that I don't have strong memories of at the beginning and the end. I remember very well, mm-hmm. and I guess not a lot happens in the middle, but, yeah. uh, I was genuinely surprised and laughed a few times out loud while reading this. Some of the details I'd forgotten, but there's some of these, I, I, I do remember a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, what we doing on this podcast, what, what we doing? What we're doing is, uh, yeah, we go through all the issues of the original Spider-Man. We're big fans. A lot, you know. Spider-Man, of course, is a hugely popular character, but not everybody knows the original comics that sort of created the legend, and we, we love them, so we're going through them. Yeah, we're hoping people who have become big fans of this character uh, are inspired to go back and read the original issues, or if you've already read them, this is your chance to reread them. Yeah, you can get a subscription to the Marvel Unlimited app. Uh, there's a, a collection, uh, there's many collections of them, fact um, Kevin actually bought me some for Christmas. Christmas just, and I just opened it hours ago. Yeah. There's a Marvel, it's called the Epic Collection, Amazing Spider-Man. There's two, the, the original issues are broken into two volumes. One's called Great Power and one's called Great Responsibility. Yeah, and And they're all the Stanley Steep. They're just like thirty bucks or thirty-five bucks each volume. They're really beautiful. They're in color, and they're they're just really nice. So if you want to just get a print copy and read them, we recommend those. Yeah, I bought a set for you, and a set for Brian, and a set for me. Even though I have these in Digest and Omnibus and digital form, yeah. So this is my fourth version of this, (laughs) and I'm keeping all four versions. Um. Uh, Kev, let's get into our segments. Spidey Podcast News. We're all about segments now. We're all about segments. So first segment is Spidey Podcast News, of which there's none. I mean... We're in the same location. That's huge news. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I guess we covered it already. Yeah. That was the podcast news. We're, we're sitting and actually seeing each other yeah. while we do this. And Spidey news. I don't think there's any Spidey news. I don't know of any. Um, So therefore, there is none. Great. Segment two. What's <laughs> going... moving. Yeah, oh, this is... We're going to be done in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Segment two. What's going on in the Marvel Universe at the time this issue was originally published? So this issue was... Uh, cover date, December 1963. Okay. Uh, so the Beatles just released I Want to Hold Your Hand in England. Yeah. But in bigger news, <laughs> uh, Iron Man debuted his new armor. Oh. Uh, so up till this point, Iron Man was in very thick, clunky, monstrous mm-hmm. armor. And the first issue it was like a gray, and then it became a gold armor. Right. And now he's wearing sort of a red and gold, more streamlined, uh, sexy armor. It's I sort of the say. classic Iron Man armor. It's what you think of. It's very close. There's two or three versions of the classic, and this is the first iteration of that. Okay. This starts to look very familiar though. Like yes. the original Iron Man is basically like a suit of gray armor... That's right, and now he's looking more like a, more like the version we know. Yeah, this, and this is the version that is very similar to the version that was uh, coming that he was wearing in the '80s uh-huh. uh, that we were very used to. Yeah, we, you, and me. Yeah, you, me, and uh, I'm assuming everyone listening to this podcast is our age. Oh, interesting, um, great demographic to get people who are in their middle age and done buying everything. <laughs> um, we'll get no sponsors ever. Yeah. Uh, or maybe, we, you know, like um, we'll get sponsors for therapists can sponsor us. Viagra, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, peop, you know, uh, site uh, websites where people cheat on their spouses. <laughs> Midlife crisis <laughs> and our podcast are sort of an overlap. Um, well, an interesting thing about that, the Iron Man armor, this red and gold armor that debuts this month is designed by Steve Ditko. Yeah. Nor- Don Heck was the usual artist for Iron Man. Yeah. But this issue that came out this month was drawn by Steve Ditko. Steve Ditko, okay. the Spider-Man artist who's doing all these comics that we're going over who of course designed spider-man's costume which is one of the all-time great superhero costumes if not the greatest yeah i mean iron man's costume is always tweaked now feels like every like couple years they change it it. and spider-man still change every once in a while but they always revert to this classic look. Yeah. It just never goes away for long. Ditko had a great sense of design. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I think, had the closest to the uh, Ditko Spider-Man costume. Uh, for all the films movies. that movie. Yeah, that movie was terrible. This is the second Andrew Garfield movie? Yeah, uh-huh. it's an atrocious movie. It's hard to watch, but yeah. the costume looks great. Yeah. Well, the visual effects keep getting better and better. That's pretty cool. Um... Is that all that's going on in the Marvel Universe? That's basically it. Okay. Uh, next segment is when we get into the actual issue, Kevin. This is the meat of the episode. Yeah, this is the meat of it. So This, this is, is a beautiful issue. Oof, i I I'd forgotten how good this was. So this is issue number seven. The Vulture, who was originally in issue two, comes back. Yeah. This is the probably 70-year-old man in a tight green <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bird outfit right. with a white turtleneck thing. It's He's a, come back. It's the first return villain that yeah. Spider-Man has faced. Yeah. And uh, this issue is really funny. Like, Stan Lee is really hamming it up stanley the writer who writes yeah. the dialogue i, I uh, think he hits a nice r- rhythm with this issue and I, I agree we're gonna be really good yeah issue eight i remember being great issue next issue is tribute to teenagers which is the all-time greatest so, subtitle for it's a kind, so fun so it's such insane a fun issue but this issue is was great we've said it many times one of the important parts of like what makes spider-man so cool is there's a good balance between like sort of serious guilt anxiety and kind of dramatic art, but then Stan's sort of sense of humor and lightness and levity. And then the first couple issues were more dark, but Stan's sense of humor is really coming into play and it's it's hitting a great stride. Yeah, uh, I also think... I love Spider-Man fighting the Vulture. I think I talked about it the first time. The aerial combat is always so fun to me. It looks so great. It looks great. And same thing in this issue. It just looks great. And Steve Ditko could not draw a normal looking human being to save his life. Like every single person in the crowd, all of the villains, you know, even Peter Parker's weird hairline with that severe widow's peak that he has at 17 or whatever. Like everybody looks, in my mind, pleasantly eccentric. Like it's a parade of weirdos. Isn't that the rumor that? Um, why Mary Jane's face is never seen in a Steve Ditko issue. So he couldn't draw a pretty girl? Stanley didn't feel he could draw pretty enough girls. Yeah, they were setting her up to be this beautiful next door neighbor and... Maybe Stan was right. John Romita drew like Yeah. he basically turned it into a fat John Romita the next artist who took over after right. Steve Ditko quit. Uh basically turned the subplots into like a fashion magazine where the girls are wearing like cool hip late 60s clothes and uh Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane are sort of fighting over Peter. And they're both beautiful. It's very Betty and Veronica. Yeah. It becomes like an Archie comic. I like but, I but I, but I love John Romita comics too. I mean Ditko's my favorite, but I, I love a lot of stuff that Romita did. Some of the storylines don't work for me and some of them are I mean the Green Goblin story line he does first is one of the most memorable storylines in Spider-Man history. Yeah. And it's a John Romita story. So. Yeah. Gotta give him credit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's n- not here. That's not here nor there. So yeah, we're just into Ditko weirdness. So we still have these pleasantly eccentric people. Uh, Alright, so um, yeah, we uh, we open with a recap of what happened in issue two, which is that Spidey using his science ability had invented a, what, what was called an anti-magnetic inverter. Right. And he was able to disable the vulture's wings. The which vulture was like flying around an Art artificial wings and robbing places. That worked by magnets. Yeah. So an anti-magnetic inverter, of course, would stop that. I mean, you don't, you you could build that. Mm -hmm. The science is real. Yeah, this, I mean, if you've taken 10th grade science, you've learned the antimagnetic inverter. That's probably an experiment you've done. It's very common. The thing I realized reading this issue about the vulture, so he's got these wings, right? And they're, they're like, you know, he, they're extensions of his arms and he flaps them like a bird and he's able to fly pretty capably. Yeah. But also his legs are always floating behind him. As if he's like Superman. But theres it's not said that there's any like flight thing going on in his legs. It's just sort of given that he's able to kind of just look like a bird. What I'm saying is... I doubt whether the science is real, Kevin. Okay, well, I believe it's 100% accurate. So that's <laughs> where one of the few places we will we'll not agree. Yeah, uh, so we do a little recap of issue two, and then we cut to the vulture. The, the third panel of the recap, Spider-Man says, the vulture will never threaten anyone again, yeah. which is a hilarious line of dialogue in the issue called The Vulture Returns. Yeah, Um, Stanley likes to have his characters really overstate things, and it's yeah. really funny. Uh, so we cut to the present, and the vulture is in prison. I remember these panels so well. Yes. Like this escape I I remember very clearly. Um, the, it shows the vulture as a model prisoner and and the warden and all the um, other prisoners who look like Dick Tracy villains. There's not a person of color anywhere in this prison or in New York City, as no. drawn by Steve Ditko. Um, and uh, the vulture is shown like stealing little parts from the machine shop. Yeah. I was thinking about this, too. He didn't kill anyone. He just robbed jewels. Yeah. He's sort He's of just a grand theft larceny. He might be a guy that you trust a little more. He's not a murderer. Yeah, he's, and he's a brilliant scientist. And he's an old man. Yeah, it, this is a more one of the more plausible things. They're, they're kind of not keeping too close an eye on him. But then we cut to him in his jail cell at night, and he has somehow manufactured a machine that lets him float in his cell. Yeah, he's basically made uh, weak versions of his wings. A makeshift flying device, and it looks cool. It looks great. He's got his arms spread. His like little prison uniform is kind of like in like wing form, and he's just floating in his cell. Yeah. And it looks like a cre- creepy little twilight zone shot. And, and I the, love it. And the next page, he just flies over the prison walls. <laughs> His escape is so funny. He's out in the prison yard and he just says, farewell. It is time for the vulture to fly again. It just soars over just the flies walls. Away. How? I mean, if you're a prison guard, you're like, yeah, that's it. Like, he's gone. I mean, but also don't you feel stupid when you have to report to the warden who escaped the vulture? How did he escape? He flew out. <laughs> he flew out. <laughs> we should have been watching for that. <laughs> we didn't think of that. Yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah, it's great. And he just flies away over the countryside. Uh, very success If he's very it works he's without, a, without he's going to go home and rebuild better wings than he had last time. We cut to Peter Parker's high school. And as always, his classmates are keeping up on top of the latest crime news within earshot of Peter. <laughs> yeah, This is during school. This is they're playing volleyball at recess or something. Not recess, but gym, I guess. Yeah. And one guy's just listening to a transistor radio, which is very loudly reporting the escape of the vulture. So Peter finds out about it. Yeah. And so Peter doesn't play volleyball and leaves. He look like he's scared of volleyball. Flash Thompson lays in with his good bully talk. We might have known a fast game of volleyball is too much for poor puny Parker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the meanest, most relentless bully in the history of fiction. Flash Thompson doesn't let Parker catch a break. Yeah. And when Parker says he just has a headache, Flash responds strange how you, you always get these headaches whenever something exciting is going on. Exciting, like volleyball. Like a volleyball game in gym or just the news that a prisoner escaped somewhere else. Yeah. So, Peter is snuck into uh, one of his high school. Oh, he's at home. He Goes home, runs home. Oh, but his home is so outfitted with so much science equipment. It looks like he work. He looks like he lives at NASA. Um, okay, so he's loading up his web shooters. We get a good look at the mechanisms. Yeah, we it, every few issues we get a nice little reminder of his web shooters and his belt and all this cool stuff. I love all that stuff. It's like he's saying it to us. Um, he's waiting to leave his house. Ha- his he's using his spider sense. He's in his house and he's using his spider sense to tell when the street is clear, so nobody will see him coming out of his house in his costume. His spider sense is getting more fine tuned to it does it was sort of used randomly but here it's like it's sensing for danger sensing for being watched that's more what it gets used for yeah uh, in the history of Spider-Man. Yeah, it's not like a mind reading thing. He can just sort of tell when he's under threat or something. Yeah. Um, and and uh, he sneaks out, but I guess it doesn't work because a little kid is watching and a yeah. kid spots him leaving. He yeah, waits for a while and only a child sees him again. How many times does this happen in comics and movies where like a supernatural something or other, it's either a kid or a bum with a bottle of alcohol yeah. who then like stares at the alcohol and like throws it over his shoulder right. vowing to never drink again. Yeah, it's either supernatural or like James Bond gadgets like Roger Moore Driving his desk down the street. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. I don't remember that bonding sequence. Uh, that's actually maybe Get Smart. Yeah. Like Get Smart drives this. Or Monty Python. But there is for sure uh, in a Roger Moore movie where he's like driving a boat down a street and a bum <laughs> pours out alcohol. For sure. 100%. <laughs> I think Liver Let Die, but it might be a different one. Okay. Um, so uh, Spidey gets into Manhattan. Also, Spidey's always... So Spidey lives in Forest Hills, Queens. That's where Peter yeah, Parker lives. That's right. And so therefore, he's frequently leaving that house and then swinging into Manhattan. And, you know, he's doing that all the time. Somebody must put together that he lives in Queens because you spot him either in Manhattan fighting a villain yeah. or commuting into work, <laughs> it swinging over the end line or whatever. Like, you must... Nobody puts it together that... Spidey's always coming from one burrow. I mean, he makes another move in this issue that really should get him figured out in a heartbeat, which we haven't gotten to okay, yet. Okay, we'll get to that pretty soon. So he gets to Manhattan. He's tracked down the vulture. And just like last issue, he finds him almost immediately. He he finds him immediately. He's got his anti-magnetic inverter, which worked perfectly last time. He's ready with that. So, um, oh, but before that, the vulture is uh, running from a helicopter. And he's kind of trying out his new wings. And he, and he swoops into a window. And just it just to, happens to be yeah. a jewelry store. <laughs> he swoops into the window just to evade a helicopter. Police and, helicopter. Yeah. And then he gets in there and he basically goes, hmm, a jewelry showroom. I might as well put this visit to some good use. Takes out a gun, holds the place up. A very lucky move. And just like most Spider-Man villains, he's just a thug who likes to rob things. Yeah. I love the vulture. Me too. Um, Okay, so he robs a bunch of jewels. He's flying out. He's staying. He's just really flaunting his ability. Yeah, and Spider-Man finds him. Spider-Man finds him. Spider-Man's got his anti-magnetic inverter. He's all cocky. He gets his camera set up because he wants to capture the moment of defeat. And now, normally when Spider-Man uses his camera, he like webs it in the corner so no one sees him using it. This time he is blatantly holding it up to his face and snapping the photo. It looks like a selfie. It looks like he's doing like an iPhone selfie of himself about to capture the vulture. It's like that should be a clue to the vulture of who this guy is. Yeah, why is he taking pictures? Yeah. And then the next day, that same picture from that angle is in the Daily Bugle credited to Peter Parker. Yeah. Well, the vulture is too busy baiting Spider-Man into a false sense of confidence because Spidey presses the button on his anti-magnetic inverter. Right. The vulture starts plummeting through the air. Just like he did in the recap. Spidey's like, I got him. And he starts swinging after him. But just at that moment, the vulture was playing possum and the vulture swings does a kind of a really cool looking move where he flies back up very close to a building so Spidey can't see him and surprises uh, Spider-Man and punches him in the face. Yeah, this 75-year-old man just punched the super-powered teenager in the face. Yeah, Spider-Man has the strength of a spider. So it's like whatever, yeah. 50 times a normal human I mean, strength. he's taken punches from the thing. And he's lifted up cars, right? That's right. So this 70-year-old man who admittedly has this great flying technology, he doesn't have like punching technology i don't think so but he relies on two what i assume are pretty soft uppercuts to the face yeah. i think i could take two punches from a 70 year old man even like a grizzled old like navy vet who like pounded me i think i could handle it and certainly if i had the proportionate spen- strength and speed of a if spider 75 year old ex-marine hits you you'd go down okay but i bet you i'd stand right back up and be like, like ow but like a scientist who worked with magnets Who's 70 years old. You're taking those punches. So, but these hit Parker pretty hard. Maybe the element of surprise. And they're plummeting through the air. And we get some cool shots of Vulture and And Spider-Man fighting Punching and kicking him as he falls. Now, the cool thing happens here. Spidey's definitely stunned. He's plummeting off a building down to the street. Shoots his webs to catch himself, but he misses. Shoots a second time and misses again. And actually crashes into a ledge, spinning just at the last minute to avoid hitting his head and instead of spraining his shoulder badly. Yeah, he thinks it's broken at first, but it ends up just being a really bad sprain. Um, and so he's severely injured for the rest of this issue. And this is a very common template in Spider-Man issues. The first battle goes badly. Goes badly. He goes down hard. It's also very fun. Like the rest of this issue, he's got his arm in a sling. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool, uh, story device. Like th- it happens in a handful of issues and I love them. But they give Spider-Man a weakness on top of like... Yeah, He's got like a virus. Yeah. I think some issue he's got like a bad costume, so it's always like slipping off. (laughs) There's an issue where the costume keeps falling off of him. Um, Okay, so he's home. He's trying to lick his wounds. His Aunt May comes into his bedroom and he has to hide on the ceiling. That's another classic Parker move. Yeah. Nobody ever looks up in Peter Parker's room. I think he's right. This one I believe. Nobody does look up. Yeah, but I also think, do you know how I know that is once I lived, when I first moved to Manhattan in the mid 90s, uh, I I had to like wire my phone. I had to like bring my phone wire. into my bedroom from like whatever the main hub in the living room was because I had this is like right. three people Back when the, landlines were a thing you had to have yes and I was too lazy to do like a neat job of it so I just very lazily stapled it just like across the top of the wall like not nestled into the corner like a foot and a half lower than the top of the ceiling just a wire going straight across and almost nobody ever noticed it Maybe Spider-Man was in your building. Was this a great story that I just told? Was that a pretty amazing... Should I go on The Moth and tell that story? I mean, yeah. I think so. <laughs> when you get on... Uh, when Jimmy Kimmel invites you on, that's the story you tell. When you're rereading these... I mean, this this one, I do love the story, but the silliness of a lot of the things is becoming more apparent to me. Is it ruining it for you, or are you just admiring how good they are again? I'm This one, I was just enjoying. Yeah. I don't think... Not, nothing in this one ruined it for me. Uh, it, they're just kind of fun This one's sometimes. just fun. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the vulture he's a threat but not like dr octopus was a threat definitely not like he's he's still just an old man who flies it's just fun it's just like oh how th- is spider-man gonna get this guy i think it's the art looks good the art is amazing i think it's just like the drawings of this bird dude and a spidey kind of like flailing in the air as they like plummet through space is just cool looking yeah um it's kind of like a fast and the furious you don't worry about the story when there's just two cor- corvettes bursting out of a skyscraper and jumping across a city Into street another skyscraper yeah. you're just like that looks. Great. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want to question it too much. Okay, so Peter's got a bad sprain. His arm's in a sling. He goes back to high school. And of course, the Flash bullies rips led in by him. Flash cannot wait to an actual physical weakness to a bully that's yeah. like catnip. Peter Perker has hurt his arm severely and Flash cannot wait to let him have it. Here's what he says. How'd big, brave Peter hurt his poor little arm? Did he try to turn too many heavy pages at one time? Oh, did you try to turn too many heavy pages at one time, bookworm? Or did you drop a little little test tube on it in the lab so they hate physical weakness they hate intellectuals they hate people who do their homework yeah they comment that he's blushing from embarrassment but this is a sign of uh, the steve ditko anger coming through peter parker when he thinks to himself blush they don't realize i'm livid with anger yes if i ever let go i'll splatter that clown all over the landscape he's thinking about murdering flash thompson yeah That's the old Ditko anger coming through. We come back to the Vulture. The Vulture is just so psyched that he beat up Spider-Man. He thinks Spider-Man is dead and he he loves it. This is the life. Yeah, he's super happy. He's in Staten Island on a farm. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So he's got a kind of a nice little, he's got a nice bucolic setup to come back to. Everything's working out for him. So, you know, the Vulture, is he going to try to get some government power or do like a huge scheme to influence the next generation? Nah, he's going to rob the payroll of the Daily Bugle. Yeah. Um, he just wants money. This guy's just about robbery. I like he, it. It's pure, simple. He, he just likes money. Um, we know, I, I don't know when you get the backstory of the vulture, but this guy must have grown up poor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and that's he's it, mad about the it. the end. Um, okay, so he's getting ready to go into Manhattan and steal the Daily Bugle's payroll. Meanwhile, Peter Parker's at the Daily Bugle yeah. talking to cute old Betty Brant. Yeah, they're flirting a little bit. They're flirting more and more. Yeah, they're still not dating. That takes longer than I remember. Yeah. So uh, Betty Brand is smarter than most people because we see her not buying Peter's story. Oh, Peter, nobody could sprain his arm playing volleyball. And then Peter makes what I think is a great joke. He goes, okay, I'll tell you the truth. It happened in the air while I was fighting the vulture for dear life. And she laughs and says, oh, well, ask a silly question. Yeah. I love that technique. Uh, I hate that. You hate okay, too much I, of a trope for you? It, it's, I really hate it. The tell the exact truth and they just don't believe you. Well, yeah. If you're not going to take me seriously, why would I ask? Oh, I hate it. I want it more. Especially if you think like there's all these dots connecting them anyway and they say this out loud should make it oh yeah that's it oh yeah you're Spider-Man. you're spider-man well that's why the end of the first iron man movie is so much fun the end of the first iron man movie is great when he just throws the note cards in the air and goes I- i'm iron man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's also no reason for tony stark not to let people know yeah it was so great, it's, it's like, fun just to be like "Well, why keep this secret so J. Jonah jameson is rejecting peter's photos because uh, a lot of people are taking pictures of the vulture but then while Peter is arguing with J. Jonah Jameson, the vulture enters. That's right. The vulture enters and tries to threaten J. Jonah Jameson. He just demands all the money from J. is his way of robbing the payroll. Just, he just... He just, was just to pull a gun on the editor. He's still and say, just give holding people up. He's yeah. just pointing a gun at them saying, give me money. He's just a mugger who flies into rooms. With a gun. Yeah. Um, but this is like, I love this sequence because J. Jonah Jameson will not give up the money. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson just try, he tries to haggle with him. He, he gets into an argument with him. It is so Funny. Have you no conscience, no feelings? You're as bad as Spider Man. He's <laughs> supposed to insult Spider Man <laughs> while the man has a gun on him. And the vulture is getting like very frustrated with him. Like he's getting very worked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. J. Jonah's like, I've spent years building up this business. It means everything to me. And the vulture's like, I'm, I'm the vulture could do anything as you're about to learn. But they're just screaming at the each other. The fourth panel on page 13 is just them having an argument. The vulture's like holding his wings up in the air, like angry fists. Very frustrated. Just so frustrated. Like, just Give me your money. J. Jonah James said, maybe we can make a deal. I can give you publicity. What's yeah. he What's he proposing there? Like a several day feature on how cool the vulture is? <laughs> the vulture's in it for the fame. I love that sequence so much. It is great. <laughs> the vulture looks great. Just getting mad. So, I mean, he, he must be so frustrated. He's like, look at these wings. He's yeah, like, I can shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> He's more just like bewildered by J. Jonah James. <laughs> Meanwhile, while they're arguing, Peter Parker just walks out of the room. <laughs> He just leaves. The vulture doesn't care, I guess. But it's just like this one guy just walks away. So he gets into his costume, even though he's got a sprained arm. So he kind of webs up his uh, sprained arm a little bit. He's got like an invisible web sling. Uh, Yeah, which he's hoping nobody notices. And then he charges back in, ready to fight. And this guy's got guts. Like The vulture has basically beaten him two out of three times that they've fought. At this point. Yeah. And he's got a wounded arm and he's still, go, you know, and he's going in here to defend the man that hates him. Yeah. And the vulture's got a gun. He didn't have a gun in the first fight. Like a gun would take Spider-Man down immediately. If he gets shot by a bullet, he, it's over. Yeah. I um, mean, he's got those crazy reflexes. He's got the spider sense, but it's uh, it's pretty dangerous yeah. stuff. But he first, he webs up the gun immediately, Um, challenges, he charges into the vulture, but like J. Jonah Jameson is weirdly in between them. And like, it's kind of like a Marx Brothers routine where J. Jonah Jameson has like Groucho kind of just being like... <laughs> Like tossed about by a bunch yeah, yeah, of he's henchmen. Between them. Spider-Man, look out, you fool! I'll be hurt. It's yeah, so <laughs> funny. J.T. de Jameson has fully arrived, and I, I think he's one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. Yeah, he is great <laughs> in this issue. Uh, the Vulture is frustrated, and you know he's too much in close quarters to fight Spider-Man, so he flies out. He's flying out of an office door. Yeah. Which I, I th- think he should just run at this point. And Spider-Man jumps over J. Jonah Jameson, maybe just to humiliate him. Um, they go running through the offices. I love these drawings here. Yeah. They they run through the press room. They run through an archive section. I Spider- love the Man- detail of, like, Betty hiding behind a desk. Oh, it's so great. Um, yeah, Betty's hiding behind the desk. There's papers flying everywhere. It's chaotic. It's great. Uh, they fly down into the printing press room. All Marvel villains are able to find rooms with high ceilings at a moment's notice. Um, and so the Vulture and Spidey are fighting at a press room, but this is, you know, you were saying how you didn't remember a lot of details. I remember this fight. This fight I didn't remember. I remember the sling. I remember the arm being broken. I just remember the idea of like a big press room and like, uh, and like, you know, sheets of paper and like people fighting on these. It seems familiar to me, but I also feel like it probably happens in a lot of stories, Mm -hmm. so I don't remember Mm -hmm. where it came from. I didn't remember from this specific story. Ditko has good drawings here of Spidey kind of like twisting his body all around in weird ways to like avoid punches and like try to favor his injured arm and i think Ditko's doing a lot of work to to try to like what would somebody's body really look like making this particular he doesn't he doesn't like make it unrealistic the way a lot of comic artists yeah he doesn't want to move a leg in a way it doesn't bend as much as he can help it yeah um i mean the vulture also the vulture's twisting around and like the vulture gets a lot of punches and kicks in and every time it looks amazing to me a lot of spider-man villains are just i think they're just chances for like Ditko to do like an anatomy study um okay so the vulture gets finally grabs Spider-Man and flies out into the open where he's in his element. He gets out of the building. Flies him up, up high over the city. Like, they're they're very high. Spidey's got one arm broken. He's being held by his good arm. Um, and Spidey's being pretty lighthearted here. Yeah. Um, and this is a great Stanley Lee joke. Uh, the Vulture says, I'll take you up so high you'll be completely helpless. Even a spider is powerless in the sky. And Spidey's response is, are you sure you were never vaccinated with a phonograph needle? Does I that mean he's, like, talking too much? I, I think, think so. That joke doesn't quite make Sense. I love it. A lot, of, a lot of Marvel characters criticize each other for talking too much. Yeah, which means Stanley is both self-aware that he puts too much dialogue in, but also won't stop. I mean, I love the next uh, exchange they have in the very next panel. This is very funny. Yeah, this made me laugh out loud. Your flippancy is wasted on me, Spider Man. You're just whistling in the dark. I know an icy fear must be gripping your heart right now. And Spider Man responds, "Well, I'll admit, I've had happier moments." That's, that's legit funny. <laughs> They're like way above the buildings. <laughs> The city is so small below them. I've had happier moments. I love this comic book so much. Yeah, I so love great. it. So, I mean, I it's so clear to me why this was like an enormous hit. If we think back to those amazing fantasy horror stories yeah. that were so kind of drab. Yeah. And like, and just like very serious, like DC superhero stories. And then this is just a blast. Yeah. If I read this issue, I think all I need now is an issue dedicated to me, the teen. <laughs> And that'd be the next issue. If they so just that's have a tribute missing, to teenagers, yeah. I will be locked in on this comic. Yeah, that's all I'm missing. Okay, so then Spidey reveals his plan to capture the vulture, and that is to web his wings closed. <laughs> yeah, just ties him up in webs. Uh, I start, don't know why he couldn't do that the first time they fought. No, uh, or why he couldn't do this when they were closer to the ground. So for the yeah, so for their first, yeah, they had him inside the Daily Bugle yeah. for a long time when it, you could just roll him up and, you know, call the cops. He waits till he's like above the highest skyscraper in yeah, view. They're like three or four times higher than the Empire State Building from what I can tell. I mean, it looks like they're going into like airplane level orbit at this point. Yeah, this is like low space shuttle satellites level. Spidey webs up the wings and the vulture is immobilized and terrified. Yeah, he begs for his life. I don't want to die. Save me. Please do something. Please save me. Spidey's response. I can't. I'm too busy admiring your tight-lipped courage, (laughs) which is so funny. Um, Uh, Makes another one of his custom uh, parachutes. His web web parachutes that we've seen him do before. And so he's got the vulture. He's got him beat. Now, something I think I'm going to talk about this in our awards section, but like the first time he should have able to do this like magnetic wings or not so the first time he invented this cool device the anti-magnetic oh, we should speak to why the anti-magnetic the anti-magnetic inverter didn't work this time oh right the vulture uh fixed his wings so that they switch poles randomly so they can't be inverted that makes sense right so before he was they were just using one current or something and then he. Sw- we, it's not explained <laughs> no it doesn't make sense i like I-, I like when Marvel comics and and all like pulpy fiction stuff just have the barest yeah. of scientific like plausibility, but not too deep. It's just enough to say it's more than just saying I changed how they work. It's like Rookie of the Year, his arm healed too tight, so now he can throw it 100 miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, is that Rookie of the Year? Yeah, um the baseball movie where the 10 year old is a starting pitcher for the Chicago yeah, I think Cubs becomes a closer. But yes, otherwise correct. But um, like yeah, the tendons healed too tight. Like that's all I need. You you got me for the whole movie. You just give me this the barest excuse like that. I mean, a 10-year-old just doesn't have the stamina to start. He's got to be a reliever. Or... Yeah, hey, that's a realistic movie. <laughs> yeah, okay. So uh we see the crowd is watching, and they're this grotesque parade of weirdos because Ditko's drawing them. Um, but the the vulture is captured, and Spidey pays one last visit to JJJ, who is screaming at him out a window. I want to know I hold you responsible for all the damage done to my building. It's your fault for butting in, says JJ James. Just save J. from being robbed. Yeah, saved his life, saved his money. The more important thing. So Saved his money. And J. Jonah Jameson is screaming at him. So Spidey makes a threat, which sounds... Very threatening, Mister. I'm about to give you something right now that's been coming to you for months, and he's hanging right in front of his right. face. And this is the man who earlier thought about splattering Flash Thompson. Yeah, so we know he's mad. And what does he do, Kevin? He webs Jay Jonah's mouth shut. I say classy move. It's classy. It also feels it feels like the pro like this and webbing him to the seat, which he did a couple issues ago, are like the two things I think about with Spider-Man torturing Jay Jonah. So Vulture's captured. Jay Jonah Jameson is gagged. Peter uh, Spidey switches back into his Peter clothes. Gets his actual sling back on his arm. Yeah. Makes a little Stan Lee self-aware thought bubble here. The worst thing about being Spider-Man is changing clothes a zillion (laughs) times a day. (laughs) I think the worst time is that moments ago you were plummeting to your death above buildings. He was never nervous about that. He was cracking (laughs) jokes the whole time. Uh, And This is maybe the most romantic moment in Ditko's run. He, uh, Peter sits uh, finds Betty Brant there hiding. Although she looks pretty relaxed now. She can sort of tell that things are over. She's got like her head on her hand, you know. Um, yeah. Vulture's gone, but now they're just hiding from Jay Jonah who's running around being... trying to scream through his webbed mouth. So Peter kind of like sidles up next to Betty. They're sitting next to a desk and he starts flirting with her. He puts his arm around her. In the last panel his arm is around her. Yeah. Um. So Betty's like, where were you while Spider-Man was battling the Vulture? Me? Oh, I was hiding in a closet. I'm afraid I'm just not the heroic type. Uh, neither am I. Maybe that's why i like you so much peter at least you don't pretend to be what you're not so this relationship is doomed before it even starts yes um she likes about him is that he doesn't pretend but she is sort of like this is the first female character in spider-man who like kind of has a personality like she's got a sense of humor she's making jokes she's she's on to him into she knows something's up with peter She's, yeah, she's got a little causticness to her on the second-to-last panel. She's giving him a little tood, and I love she's it. She's giving him a little tood. Peter, sometimes I get the feeling you're laughing at a secret little joke that's all your own. If you keep using that cool perfume, Betty, <laughs> I may break down and tell you about it someday. So, this is your mid-40s yeah. Stanley trying to write the dialogue of a smooth teenager. Yeah, it's one step forward, two steps back for <laughs> how he handles women. <laughs> Betty has a personality, but let's talk about her perfume <laughs> well at least that's peter the dork trying to like impress a girl i feel like that's yeah that's a little bit more uh uh realistic or Except whatever it works so, well i mean she, her response is that's the closest thing to a romantic remark i've ever heard you say but see, she's kind of making fun of it like yeah. this, this is the closest we've ever had to a real conversation between human yeah. beings in this comic i i i loved it when i i remember reading this issue and seeing that peter was starting to get like more confident with girls and yeah. i'm like whatever 11 or 12 as i'm reading it, I being like psyched for him. I was like, oh, he's like, this yeah. Betty Brandt is nice to him. Like everyone in high school is mean and she's like, she likes him. Compared to the earlier issue where he sort of had a date with Liz Allen, he broke. And I was like, I remember reading that as a kid going, what? Why, why is he dating Liz Allen? I don't understand what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that was like a weird jump too far. And when this happens, it's like Peter found somebody. Yeah, he's not in high school. He's bringing in these cool photos. So it kind of makes sense that he's like reinventing himself here. Yeah. It's, it's a real, I, you know, I don't know how many of these decisions... That went into the stories were like talked about, but a lot of them are really good. Yeah. I got to think a lot of it was not, they didn't put a ton of thought into like, oh, in in the Daily Bugle, he's more of a man in high school. He's still a kid. Yeah. I don't think they thought about it that much, but that's what it feels like. But I do think there, I I agree. I don't think it's conscious, but I think there's just something like when you've written hundreds and hundreds of stories for like over 10 years, which Stan has done and Steve has done and, and you're just like. And these are talented guys. These are talented guys who have read a ton of short stories. They're, you know, huge fans of comics and science fiction. It starts to rub off and they're starting to just like put good things in place. I'd love to know at this point how much Stan Lee and Steve Ditko are working together because it doesn't take long before Steve Ditko sort of drawing these on his own without even talking to Stan. They end up very shortly not liking each other. Yeah, so Steve Ditko would draw the issues completely alone with no plot input from Stan. Yeah. And Stan would just guess what the story was about. And this does not feel that way. It feels like there must have been some communication, but I wonder how much... Yeah. It 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 just works so well that it's hard for me to imagine Stan Lee got this issue with just a couple notes from Ditko and had no idea what it was about. It's also too funny. Yeah. For, like the, the uh, J Jonah being running, run around feels like such a thing that Stan would have asked for. Well, it's not. Yeah. Cause it's not just like Spidey is exchanging quips. Like it's part of the bones of the story. Yeah, J Jonah Jameson. It is, seems like they had a discussion where he's like, let's have them fight around J Jonah Jameson and the bugle. That'll be fun. And then he'll still blame Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, he's going to break, he's going to sprain his arm very early. So the whole issue he's got like, a hobbled or hobbled is for yeah. legs, so but I, like I this, gotta uh, think they're talking at this point, but I don't know when they stop. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I, I don't know those details. I'm gonna just guess that it's as the character started making a lot of money, or it was clear that their potential to make money was there, yeah. and Ditko realized that he had no ownership of the character. That he started to make what I think are reasonable demands for like more money. I think Stan deserved it too, and um, there definitely will be a point where Ditko starts getting plot or story credits, but I think he's he was writing them way before that yeah well also just in general as we've said we said in our first episode on Marvel like Stan Lee credited himself as the writer and that's not accurate he's co-writer with the artist especially when it's Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko doing the drawing Um, okay that's the end of our issue yeah. So it's a really good one, right? Really, I mean, fun, I, really I, this fun. was fun. I put this maybe second to the um, Dr. Octopus one. Yeah. Is this better than Sandman? I think it is. And maybe, I really love Sandman as a character. This had more humanity to it, though, and more levity in, yeah. in, a, in a way that didn't undermine and stuff. And this feels like a fully realized Spider-Man story. Yeah, this is probably the second best They're really best starting to feel their shot here. Yeah. Like, they're really kind of in there. Okay, let's give out our awards. Yeah, let's move on to the segment where we give out awards. This is the next segment, and this is a segment where we give out awards, so let's do best panel. If you've got your chart and you're trying to figure out where we are in the podcast, just look at the segment section. Yeah. We're in one of those. I have a, I have what I think is an interesting choice. Me too. Oh my God, I hope we, don't, we didn't choose the same thing. I don't. Right. I doubt we did. Okay, what did you choose? I, I know that there's no way you picked what I picked. Because it's it's this. There's actually tons of beautiful panels in here, and I'm not picking one of the absolute beautiful. Did you pick this one? No, I didn't. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> so, um, mine is on page 11, uh, the last panel, which is panel uh, eight. Um, uh, and it's cause the vulture is sitting inside of his farmhouse, uh, his wings sitting on a desk, up. his wings are hanging up. So he's kind of like kicking back. He's got like one leg, one foot up on his desk and his hands on his knee and he's holding a cup of coffee. <laughs> and it's like such a weird casual portrait of a villain just kicking back. It really struck me. I was like, and I kind of love it. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Cause my favorite panel is the very next panel oh okay i just love this close-up of the vulture i love how weird the vulture looks i love the details of this face. So this is page 12 panel one yeah i just think like we're getting a look at how hideous this guy is The long nose the creepy smile yeah the way his hands are like a little his fingers are a little too long and he's yeah. pointing at his head Ditko loves drawing i hands. love the look of the vulture's face i also just think so many supervillains i've read so many comics and i can't tell you what supervillains look like but the vulture man this guy's face yeah is a face this guy's a character if he was in a police lineup everyone identifies him <laughs> yeah it's weird we didn't pick i mean there's so many beautiful shots of their fight the action shots are so many good ones maybe but they almost uh competed against themselves they all took each other out of the running yeah, i also feel like i've seen those types of drawings very often in spider man where the ones we picked are maybe a little bit more unique to this story <laughs> we just picked the vulture gloating though what's your best stan lee dialogue uh, my favorite Stanley dialogue, we talked about it, uh, was where Spider-Man is hanging above the city and he goes, well, I've admitted, I've had, I, well, I'll admit I've had happier moments that made um, me, that genuinely made me laugh out loud while reading it a little bit ago. And I got to pick that as my favorite line. Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, it's the one I quoted before where Flash Thompson's like, no, I'm, you know what? I'm changing it. It's where Spider-Man says, right? The panel before, are you sure you were never vaccinated with a phonograph needle? <laughs> so again, we're panels apart or one panel apart. Um, that's the kind of disagreement that you get on this podcast only folks that kind of like hot blooded, passionate at each other's throats disagreement. Kevin says one panel. I say the one before. <laughs> yeah. I also laughed out loud. This is my second choice. I just want to mention it. Cause I laughed out loud twice reading this 40 year old, 50 year old comic. Yeah. 60 year old, 60 year old comic. Oh my God. Um, I laughed out loud twice where, uh, J Jonah Jameson is rejecting Peter's photos because yeah. there's too many photos of the vulture. So he offers him $10 for them. Uh, and Peter's like, come on, Mr. Jameson. Nobody's taken a close up like this before. And Jonah's response is, all right, I'll pay 12 Something about that made me laugh so hard. Just like this little penny ante hat, $2.50 different. It just felt so silly. It surprised me. I was like, oh, Jonah, just pay him. Um, okay. Um, highlight of the issue. Um, you go first. I'm going to say it's that conversation with Betty Brandt at the end. That's a good choice. I like the emergence of her as a character. It's kind of a dimension we haven't had yet. Um, she's she's seeming really cool. Their relationship seems kind of like genuinely nice. I mean, I love the moment of them sitting behind the desk. Yeah. I remember that. Like that stood out in my brain yeah. all these years later. So I'm going to say my highlight is him and Betty talking. It's a great moment. I'm going to pick the sling. I know that goes through almost the entire issue, but the idea that no, Peter is great. in the entire issue with one arm is sort of great and it's... Uh, the first time I think he's fighting you know with a severe disadvantage over his normal abilities it becomes a trope that they go to a lot and I love it every time him (laughs) fighting with a sling is great Um, okay my low light is gonna be the fact that Spidey just webbed up his wings okay that's fair uh, only because the bar had been set for this particular villain to have like a sort of like more thought through plan and a surprise Mm -hmm. and this one is like he just webbed up his wings so I'm gonna say that's I I think this issue is great so I don't really have that much of a problem with it but I'll pick that as a relative low light Uh, my low light is something you cited as a great moment. <laughs> it's repeater Peter just admits that he fought the vulture in Betty Branco's. Uh, oh, Ask well, I asked question. a silly question. Yeah. I really hate that trope. You I might really, be right. You might have you taught me something. I, it really bothers me. It's one panel you could remove from this comic and it doesn't happen. I just, I, I have a problem with secret identities and the idea of people admitting the truth as a way to dodge their secret identity. I always think when I read like, oh, I've got to say this or they're going to know who I am. Those moments, I'm just like, just don't have those moments happen. Okay, Just don't have people be suspicious and it goes away i don't need people almost ready to guess secret identities all the time so things like that bother me just listen to the passion on this podcast guys this is our biggest disagreement <laughs> yeah um next segment memory lane okay do you have it does this comic book like any personal memories or do you want to just insert any personal memories of reading old spider-man comics here um i i remember reading um so in the in the um 90s i guess uh, late 90s i was uh Spider-Man comics were pretty bad, and I had—I was reading maybe my fewest amount of comics, and I wasn't reading Spider-Man comics at all. How, how you're uh, just out of college? Uh, at this just point? out of college, and there was a comic book shop near where I worked, and I would go there on comic book day. Is Morristown, New Jersey? Yeah, this was in Princeton, New Jersey, where I worked. Okay. You were um, president of Princeton, right? I was president of Princeton University. At 21 years old, you weirdly became president of the university. I mean, it was just out of school, so it wasn't a great job. I was running a <laughs> uh, Ivy League university. You and, were a Cornell graduate, which was really weird they right, hired you. Princeton felt like a step back. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would go to this comic shop every Wednesday uh, and I'd look at the comics and I didn't buy Spider-Man comics very often because they were bad. Yeah. Every now and then I get lured in and there was one on the rack with a vulture on the cover uh, fighting Spider-Man. And Mm. I was like, it was classic vulture. Yeah. And it was only 99 cents. Yeah. And so I bought it and it was untold tales of Spider-Man. It was like issue three, I think maybe five relatively early in the run. It was only 99 cents. It was so good. Yeah. That I immediately bought every other issue of untold tales that had ever come out. Yeah. I started collecting that book I started buying everything by that writer. Kurt Busiek. Kurt Busiek. Uh, and that run in, in and of itself was still, I think, a phenomenal uh, I read run. those stories and I love them too, and yeah. And the point of that series was that it takes place between issues of this original Ditko run. Yeah. So that Vulture issue took place between two other issues. Yeah. And It's a real cool fanboy project. Like, it yeah. felt like, I mean, it, the Ditko art wasn't, uh, Pat Olaf was the artist. It wasn't Ditko art, but it felt like this did still feel like a lost yeah. story. It felt so great. Uh. I really, really did genuinely loved it and the vulture was what lured me in because nothing says classic spider-man to me more than the vulture oh nice that's pretty good memory yeah mine is a little bit smaller but this is um uh this is issue seven and in the original the original way i read these issues was those paperback digests right where they're just like dime store paperback sized and there's only six issues per book. So the first book only had six issues and that was the only one that was out at first. So like I got that one when I was like nine or something, read the first six issues of Spider-Man and it was like a precious commodity that you could not just go find, no internet, blah, blah, blah. And then when this book came out, I remember seeing it at Walden Books and, you know, asking mom to buy it and being so excited. And I remember reading the story because it was like, ooh, the next amazing Spider-Man issue that I'm missing. So, uh... And a a second half of this memory is those digests, uh, I was very sentimental. You have them, right? I still have them, yeah. You have the actual books that we read. The three digests that you got, I still have on my bookshelf. So did you know how I didn't have them for a while? Like, I sold them in a... I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, our church, the United Methodist Church of Danbury had like a fundraiser or something. And I donated these books Oof. and Doug Pfeiffer bought them. Uh, you know, a friend yes, of mine sure. uh, and ours um, bought them and I was friends with them and I went to his house and I saw them and I felt so bad. I was like, can I have those back? And he didn't want to give them to me. He's like, I bought them. I kind of like them. I was like, yeah, I great. shouldn't, I shouldn't have them away. Could I just have them? And he like, all right. And he very begrudgingly gave them back to me. Wow. So it's to Doug Pfeiffer's generosity that we even still have those. Cause, we also used to have the fantastic four and hulk ones and we don't have those anymore. I think I gave them all away. That's you're so stupid. I know. I know. I would love that. The Hulk one is the entire original run of the Hulk because it was only a 6-issue series. Yeah, I th- know. I remember that Hulk one being good. It is good. The Fantastic 4 one I remember liking but not loving. The Fantastic 4 took longer to find their real yeah, groove. that 6 issues of the Hulk, every issue is a completely different story. It's so Kirby dressed some, Ditko dressed some. They're trying all and these the status different quo changes drastically. They go all over the place in those early Hulk stories. I mean, I could do a 6-issue 6-episode podcast on the hulk maybe we'll do it's it just those six issues are phenomenal issue fun. six the metal master i still remember it very well i still remember the one where like the hulk is being controlled by rick jones and if he falls asleep the hulk goes on a rampage yeah that's rick jones has to stay awake to keep him as so a... this child like this child is like i can never go to sleep or the hulk will kill someone yeah that's it's all, that's it's terrifying it's crazy anyway but that's not spider-man okay um next segment is uh kevin do you know it? recommendations comics recommendations yeah okay um you weren't ready, so this I is going to be a yeah. real. This is going to be a real authentic recommendation. I what one are you, my mind what are I, Oh, I know what I'm going to uh, recommend. Okay, I'm going to recommend. I'm a, I'm a few issues behind on this, but uh, Department H. Okay, it's a dark horse comic by a guy named Matt Kint. I might not be pronouncing that right. K i n d t. Okay, uh, I love Matt Kint's work. It's very cool. Does he do the mind? Um, he does mind management uh-huh. or mind mg. T yeah MGMT Um, MGMT maybe uh which I was a a phenomenal series but it's over Department H is uh still going Uh and it's an underwater murder mystery (laughs) like it's an underwater science base that this woman's father gets murdered so she goes down to solve the mystery of who killed her father Department H which spells depth uh if you see it written out Mm -hmm. and it's just really really cool everyone is a suspect everyone is easily could murder this person and she's down there and the base is flooding and blowing up and it's yeah. it's really fun. It's a really really cool science uh, comic sciencey comic that's really fun. Okay, I'm going to recommend just since you mentioned it, the first 6 issues of the Incredible Hulk, which if you yeah. have a Marvel Unlimited pass you can find. It's you know, it's not so hard to find online. Uh they the Hulk, they really don't know what to do with him as a character. They're short, fun yeah. beautifully drawn uh the Hulk was sort of like popular despite that despite Marvel not really knowing what to do with him yeah these first six issues don't have the Hulk you're familiar with because he doesn't have the thing where it's not like Hulk smash it's not where Hulk gets angry and becomes it's not where Bruce Banner becomes angry and becomes Hulk that's not a thing right that's later it's usually at night it's, it's more or like, a else it. or yeah. like a Jacqueline and Hyde or like a um, Frankenstein or where not a werewolf uh, it's just, it, it's weird. Yeah. Cause after these six issues, he goes into the Avengers for a while. He, the Hulk gets canceled, but like the Hulk was weirdly popular. The, the Hulk could not be stopped as a character. Yeah. Um, like people just loved him. And eventually he settled into the character. We all know where Bruce Banner didn't want to get angry because he'd become the Hulk. And it was this mindless monster. He stayed that way for a long time. So yeah. Those comics are okay. But these first six issues are So that's really, my recommendation. Really cool. The first six issues of the Incredible Hulk. I, I, I'm going to back up that recommendation. <laughs> I also recommend it. Okay, great. Um, all right well that's that's our issue kevin uh, uh, it's pretty fun that we were in the same room for this yeah let's never do it again <laughs> uh, uh, all right come back next uh, episode for our tribute to teens podcast yeah that's amazing spider-man number eight that's right um yeah it's gonna be a great one so hopefully you guys uh will see you next episode yeah, keep listening bye bye screw it screw it we're, we're just gonna talk about, about, Spider-Man. about spider-man what's a creative podcast network